During the month of December, we have been in this series uh, called Hello, My Name Is, and we've been focusing on some particular names of Jesus and things that he would be called according to a prophet that spoke many, many years before he was, he was born. We began by seeing how he is our wonderful counselor, our otherworldly, beyond anything we can imagine, beyond even description counselor, the one who has the best plan for our life. We also saw that Jesus is our mighty God, that he is God in the flesh, that that word is used specifically to refer to his divinity, and he is the mighty, powerful God. Uh, he, is, he is one whose strength and might and power is unmatched. It's a, it's a, it's a power for us to, to, go, to be able to navigate this thing in, that we know as life that sometimes becomes very difficult and hard. And then last week, uh, Pastor Phil shared with you on how God is, Jesus is also our eternal father. That Jesus says, of course, about himself, that if if you've seen me, you've seen the father. That the father and I are one. He is the perfect representation of the father. And he is, in fact, your good and loving father. That comes out of these, these three uh, titles come out of this passage in Isaiah chapter 9, verse 6. It's located there on, your, on that green piece of paper in your, in your uh, programs, those notes there. There Isaiah writes, for a child will be born for us, a son will be given to us, and the government will be on his shoulders. He will be, called, he will be named Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Eternal Father, Prince of Peace. And that's where we're landing today as we wrap up the fourth title given, ascribed to, uh, to Jesus from the prophet Isaiah, is that he is our Prince of Peace. And uh, it probably goes without saying, but I'll mention it, that oftentimes this season, once we get past Thanksgiving, even as we're leading up to Thanksgiving, and as we transition from Thanksgiving to Christmas, peace is not often the thing that we experience. More often than not, it's chaos, right? It's extra baking, extra spending of money, extra parties, extra things to attend, extra stressors, right? It just happens. And every year the polls come out and we see how oftentimes this season can become one that is not peaceful, but troubling, not peaceful, but chaotic, not relaxing, but absolutely stressful. And I can't solve all those issues for you, right? I, I, I understand the practical realities of having to visit so many families' homes and attend kids' parties and, and, and work extra work stuff that happens there, uh, you know, to, in the celebration of the season, whatever your context might be. Can't solve all those problems for you. But the one thing that I do know for sure is that many, many years ago, Isaiah said uh, that this baby was to be born and that he would be our prince of peace. That, so that is a reality for us that's beyond a seasonal experience. It's a, it's a permanent experience. We're going to talk a little bit about that. So t- let's, let's jump off just by taking a look at what those words actually me- meant in their original context. The word that's translated in, thi- in this translation, prince, is the word tsar. Now that should look kind of familiar to some other words that are used, especially when you see the description. You can see that it's used over 380 times in the Hebrew Bible, so it's a very widely used word. It's used to refer to various types of government or religious officials, rulers of cities. As you can see, it's oftentimes referred to as a captain, a master, chief, ruler, commander, leader, or a prince. Now, the Romans had a word that was very similar to this. He was known as 
Caesar, right? So you can see how Caesar and Tsar are very closely related. You can also think of the Russian term Tsar, right? And we even use that word in our own language at times to refer to someone who is the head of something. And so it's a very widely used uh, word, and it's, and it's one that refers to someone who is worthy of respect, someone who is in a place of authority, certainly. And we know that about Jesus, But the thing that we also know about our prince is our prince is not a captain, master, chief, ruler, commander, leader, or prince that's disconnected from his people. He is a prince that is engaged with his people. He's one that is a prince of the people, not a prince. He is a prince over the people, but he's a prince of the people. In fact, when you think about it, that's the story of the incarnation. The story of the incarnation is that the king stooped down to become one of us. And so there we have that idea of the prince being the prince with the people, right? God with us. Not a prince removed, not someone that, yes, again, does he deserve our respect? Is he worthy of all of, all of the majesty uh, that, that, that we should ascribe to him? Absolutely. But he is also at the same time that Jesus is worthy of all of that, that worship, that honor, that respect. He's due all of that. He also is one of us. God with us. Stoops down. So our prince, this person of nobility or rank, and he is. This person who is a master, a chief, he is one who engages with us. He doesn't stand removed from us, but our, but our prince embraces us. He wants to get to know us. He wants to get to know us better than any other person could ever know us. In fact, for the destiny of those who have faith in Christ, one of the things it says about us as we experience eternity is that we will know fully even as we are fully known. Now, I'm married. I've been married for a long time. (laughs) 30 plus years. I don't mean that in a bad way. I mean that in a good way. I've been married for a long time. I don't know, maybe my, I don't know if my nonverbals communicated disappointment with that or something. Sorry, honey. And I think... There's probably nobody who knows me as well as Amy Riddle knows Dave Riddle. And there's probably no one who knows Amy as well as Dave Riddle knows her. And yet at the same time, there are aspects of my being that are unknown to anyone, right? Even my wife. There will be a time in which I am fully known, or I will fully know even as I am fully known. That idea that the, of the prince wants to know us fully, that he, uh, he understands every aspect of our being and desires to be with us. That's the kind of prince that we have. So yes, do that. does he do that respect? Absolutely. But he doesn't let that be the only aspect to his princehood, so to speak. He is a prince with us, not only a prince over us. And what did that prince come to provide. The prince, the scripture says, came to provide shalom. That's the word for peace. Now this word is also widely used in the Hebrew Bible. <clears throat> it's a very broad term as you can see at the t- top couple lines there. It means many, many different things. It's kind, of a, it's kind of a catch-all word. It's very layered. It means health and security, tranquility, good condition, success, comfort, and more. 
It's like, it's like almost like someone saying, and it, was often t- it, it is oftentimes used as a greeting uh, um, among even contemporary uh, Israelis, uh, contemporary Jew- people of Jewish descent. Um, they would say shalom to each other. Almost, it's almost a question at the same, kind of like, how are you doing? But also saying, I hope you're doing well, all at the same time, and using this word shalom. So it's, 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 it's trying to depict this idea to kind of like summarize it, because it's, it's very layered and very broad. But to summarize it, it's de- depicting a satisfied condition, an unconcerned state of peacefulness. So that's what we think of that, Prince, prince with authority, prince with connectedness. Prince to be worshipped, prince to know us. Intimacy, love, presence. And that prince is going to provide us this. Satisfaction and an unconcerned state of peacefulness. Now I don't know about you. But those two phrases in the last couple of lines of that word study there, they're kind of elusive. It wasn't, it's not only Mick Jagger who can't get it, right? (laughs) Not only him. It's all of us who oftentimes find ourselves that we can't get no satisfaction. Pardon my grammar. It was his grammar mistake, not mine. Unconcerned state of peacefulness. If we did a poll today, I bet I would be 100%, it would be 100% that you have one thing that you're concerned about today. That's just the reality of our human experience. And yet we have this in the incarnation, in the gift of Jesus, we have this one who is here to provide for us this shalom. And he brings it to you today in the same way that those Jews often greet each other. He brings it to you today both as a question and as a wish. Shalom, how are you? Shalom, peace to you. This peace that Jesus gives is not this, as, as the prince of peace, the peace that's being referred to. I would suggest to you that this prince, this, this kind of peace cannot be attained on our own. Because the thing about the, the, the kind of peace that we have, you know, it's kind of that, you ever, you know, if you're a student and you got this huge project over your head, or if you're in your, in your workplace, you've got this huge project over your head, or at home, you've got this huge project over your head, and you know how, you know that incredible feeling of satisfaction and peace when it's finished, when you finish that deck, when you finish that presentation, when you get that paper written, when you have that test completed, how many of you know that? It's just like, thank you, Jesus. Like, oh, yes. And then guess what? Tomorrow, the next day, the next week, what's there? what is there? Another one, another one, and another one. You see, the peace that we achieve when we finish something and that sense of satisfaction, it's not that that's wrong, that all of us like to get things completed, like to get that to-do list checked off, and uh, we love to be in that place, but this isn't talking about that kind of peace. The kind of peace that we are able to provide for ourselves, that it's not the kind of peace that the Prince of Peace comes to give us. It's not necessarily, in fact, the absence of conflict, conflict in this world. Jesus, in fact, says, even though he is the Prince of Peace, he says, By the way, I didn't come to bring peace. 
at one point, and when he was, after he had been born, and he was, a, he was an adult, and he, he was walking with his followers, he said, I didn't come to bring peace, but a sword. And you're like, wait a second, you are the prince of peace. You didn't come to bring peace? It's not that kind of peace because the peace he's talking about there. He says, I didn't come to bring peace but a sword because he's talking about how the gospel is going to divide people. And that's what it does, unfortunately. It also unites people. But when people reject the, the gospel, people are divided. And so he even talks about how some of our most close relationships end up being divided by the gospel. Like son-in-law and mother-in-law and father-in-law and daughter-in-law and fa intimate family members, right? He talks about how that separation can happen through the gospel. So it's, it's not the kind of peace that we anticipate. It doesn't mean the absence of conflict. It doesn't, it doesn't, it's not the kind of peace that we can achieve on our own. Isaiah, the same prophet says in Isaiah 48, there is no peace, says the Lord, for the wicked. And since we are all bound in our own flesh by that wickedness, we can't achieve that peace on our own. So what is the kind of peace that Jesus provides? What is the peace that's provided by our Prince of Peace. Let me begin by saying, one of the things about peace is that peace brings confidence. Look at John 16, 33. I have told these things, I have told you these things, this is Jesus to his followers, I've told you these things so that in me you may have peace. Coupled right with it, again, Jesus ever being the consummate realist, Never being one to sugarcoat it. Never seeing it through rose-colored glasses. Always knowing exactly what this human experience is like. He says, middle line, you will have suffering in this world. You will have suffering in this world, but what did he come to bring us? Peace. Be courageous. I've conquered the world. Yes, we're still going to have those moments of satisfaction when we complete that project, when we get that home thing figured out, when we balance our, our, our budget, whatever the case might be. Yeah, I understand that's not the kind of peace he's talking about. That's, oh, this is something that's over and above. It's the kind of confidence that when we are going through struggle, when we are going through strife, when we face difficult circumstances, we know that we have the Prince of Shalom who has provided for us this unconcerned state of peacefulness. So we have confidence, we have assurance, we have security in that because what is our security in? Our security is not in the reality that we have suffering. Yes, we acknowledge that. We're not super excited about that, but our confidence in the, is in the fact that he has overcome. And so whatever we go through, we live through it as overcomers, even if it's super difficult. Peace means confidence. Peace also means rest. Our Prince of Peace, our Tsar of Shalom, said to take his yoke upon you. His yoke was unlike any other teacher's, any other rabbi's yoke in his day. His yoke, he said, if, he would, if we would let him teach us, it was a wise decision. Why? Because he says about himself, I am humble and gentle at heart, and you will find rest, rest for your souls. rest for my soul in the midst of difficulty, in the midst of pain, in the midst of uncertainty, in the midst of this thing that we call life. Jesus says, if we will submit to his yoke, submit to his leadership, remember, he's the prince. We submit to his authority. As we submit to the authority of the prince of peace, he gives us rest for our souls. 
that place of ease, that place of peace, rest. Something again, likely in our day, maybe in your life, super elusive. But he's here to provide it as our Sar of Shalom. He also, as the Prince of Peace, most importantly, is providing reconciliation. This is the word that we use in church oftentimes. And sometimes for those of you in the financial industry, you might use it. We use it in banking. I used to work in reconciliations uh, in the bank I worked at in downtown Columbus while I was working my way through college. And I, was, I had to work to reconcile accounts. That is to bring the account to zero, make the account balance, make the debits and the credits match. That was my job. That was one of the things that I, I did. And Jesus, about Jesus, Paul writes in Romans 5, therefore, since we have been justified through faith, we have peace with God. Our account has been settled. Jesus, we have been justified. We have been made right with God. And now we have peace with God, not on our own volition. That's, again, this is the kind of peace that he's talking about is the kind of peace that comes from outside us. It's peace through our Lord Jesus Christ, which brings us to the fourth aspect. The only way that we have that rest, the only way that we are able to have that confidence, the only way that we are made right with God, that, we, that our account is reconciled, is because peace is not of our own work. It's a gift. It's a gift. It comes from outside of our being. We don't work to achieve it. You're not going to work harder and achieve peace today. You're not struggling toward peace. It's submitting to the one who can give it to you. In John 14, Jesus says, peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. I don't give to you as the world gives. So don't let your heart be troubled or fearful because I'm giving you something that you can't achieve on your own. I'm giving you something as the Prince of Peace that will be unlike any other gift. What is that? Why is that kind of peace different? Well, first, remember what I said about our peace, the peace that we're able to achieve for ourselves, how it's so temporary. It's here today and gone tomorrow. That project gets done, but then we got another one. This problem gets solved, but then there's 17 more. We answer that 5,000 email and we got 5,437 more to go. Right? You know our peace never lasts. But the peace that Jesus gives us, oh, it's perpetual. It's absolutely unending. It is the kind of peace that we experience, in fact, in eternity. Because it's peace that comes from Jesus, that reconciles us with his Father, and that establishes us in relationship with him, which is permanent. Very few things in life we can say are permanent, but the peace that comes as a gift through Jesus is. Secondly, the peace that Jesus gives is complete. It's perfect. It's not partial. It's not like we're kind of okay with God. It's not our Prince of Peace didn't come here to give us a little bit of confidence or a little bit of rest. He said, take my yoke upon you. Learn from me. And you will, you will, if you submit to me, if you learn from me, if you allow the yoke of my person and my presence and my teaching to lay upon your life, 
you will find rest for your souls. There's a guarantee there. And there's a, there's a completeness to that. There's a perfection to that. Everything that God does is perfect. And so why would he provide us peace that's only incomplete or partial? He provides perfect and complete peace for us. And the last thing about this gift of peace, it is above and beyond. How could we ever expect to experience peace like he's provided? Do we deserve it? No. In fact, we can't even fully comprehend it. That's what the Bible says. Philippians chapter 4 says, And God's peace will keep your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. The peace that God gives is so great that we cannot understand it. I love, that's from the International Children's Bible, and I love the way that they represented that for kids. I thought, sounds good for adults too. The peace that God gives us is so great, I can't even get my mind around it. Why? Because who am I? Anxious, worried, stressed out, frazzled. That's me, right? You too. Come on. But the Tsar of Shalom says, there's another way, Riddle. There's my way. There's my yoke. That's what he wants for us. That's what that Prince of Peace wants for us. So I believe he's coming to us in that same way today. He's saying, standing here as our prince and he's saying to each of us individually and to all of us collectively, shalom. Kind of like, hey, what's up? But also, shalom. How are you? Is it yours? Do you have peace? I see you striving. I see you trying. I see what that end game is for you. Would you want what I could give you? The peace of Christ is so important, in fact, that Paul says to the Colossians in chapter 3 of the letter that he wrote to them that it should rule their hearts. And let the peace of the Messiah, to which you were also called in one body, control your hearts. It's kind of a full circle way to come us, bring us all the way back to the two word studies we did. Does the Prince of Peace have control of your heart? Is he the ruler? Is he the chief? Is he the captain? Is he the master? Is he the commander of your heart? Because not because I say it is, but because of what we just looked at today from the word of God. If he is, I believe that he does provide for us confidence, rest, reconciliation, and an unending, complete, above and beyond our comprehension gift that will establish us in a different reality from the normal human chaos. He is our Prince of Peace. This morning, we're going to celebrate that specifically as it relates to his gift in the flesh. On a regular basis, we observe something known as Holy Communion here, the Lord's Table, the Lord's Supper here at, at Calvary. And that's where we use two very simple things, a piece of bread 
and a cup of juice to remind us of the gift of Jesus in the flesh and his shed blood. It is that gift of Jesus in the flesh and his shed blood that allows him to provide the kind of peace that I've just described. And so, as I oftentimes do, I encourage you to maybe reflect in a particular manner today as you hold those two elements in your hand. I ask you to would reflect and maybe do some honest introspection and reflection and prayer time with God about your level of peacefulness, your level of shalom that you're experiencing today. And if there are things that you're anxious and worried and stressed out by, no shame in that. In fact, the New Testament says that you should cast all those onto God because he cares for you. Why does he care for you? Because he is your Prince of Peace. And he doesn't want you to bear that anxiety. He doesn't want you to bear those worries. Yes, is there a sense in which we bear them with each other together? Yes, but we want to cast them on to our Father, cast them on to the Lord so that that prince can provide the kind of peace that only he can give. So I encourage you to let that be kind of your meditation, kind of your reflection as you, as you prepare for communion today. Just a reminder that you don't have to be a member of this church or of any local church. If you've received the gift of salvation through Jesus Christ, then you're welcome to participate in communion today. Our servers will uh, lead in, in passing the plate. There will be a cup of juice uh, that surrounds a plate in the middle that has some uh, pieces of bread in it. So take one of each and hold it until we've all been served, and then we'll eat and drink together. So I'm going to pray. Servers, if you want to go ahead and prepare in the back to lead us in that, that would be awesome. So you can head that way. And for the rest of us as they're preparing to serve us, uh, let's bow our heads. Heavenly Father, we thank you for the incredible gift of your son. And intricately connected to the gift of him was the gift of peace. And I pray, God, specifically for people who this morning, who's, who if they were describing their life, the last word that they would use to describe it would be peaceful. I pray for them specifically, God, to experience you in a, in a dynamic, tangible way today. One that would help them to surrender to your authority, to your princeship, if you will. And I pray that you would provide that for each of us, that unconcerned state of peacefulness, that, that condition that comes only through a relationship with you. We thank you, Lord, that Jesus is our Prince of Peace. And as we celebrate that today, we ask that you would work in our hearts to more fully lean into that identity as people of peace. That not only do we experience it, but we also become peacemakers and lovers of peace and agents of peace in our world. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Guys.